and a very warm welcome to The Human Source. This is the IRIS Interviews podcast and I'm Steph Coward and I'm the MD for the HCM business within IRIS and I am absolutely delighted to be joined today by our guest speaker Guy Bloom. Welcome Guy. Lovely to be here, thank you for inviting me on. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my day job is that of being a specialist in leadership development. So I do three things really as my main focus. I do leadership development programs. I work with senior teams in terms of their team effectiveness. And predominantly then I focus around one-to-one coaching. I class it as performance coaching. And I've started to drift into keynotes, which I'm quite enjoying at the moment. But the, the, the whole point is if it's to do with leadership development, then that's where I put my energy and focus. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And such a, an exciting topic and, and one that is very close to my heart. And it's for that reason that we've invited Guy to join us today, as our podcast is all about leadership. So just to set a little bit of context for what it is we want to talk about, I'm sure many of you have seen that the headlines have been dominated by trends such as the Great Resignation, quiet quitting, quiet firing, and I'm sure there'll be many more to come. In my humble opinion, these trends are really far from new. I mean, quiet quitting used to just be known as coasting and, you know, quiet firing in many people's dictionary is known as constructive dismissal. So I suppose my first question for you guys is why do you think these headlines are there and why these work trends are booming now? Well, I think... uh... Everybody's got to sell something and social media loves a title. I concur with you completely that I think most things in the world in this context have always existed. People can switch on, they can switch off, they can be engaged, they can be disengaged. So we have different buzzwords and different phrases that are probably correct to the time that we operate in so they resonate with us. The the truth of the matter is I think it's rather like clothing trends. Things are very cyclical. You do things, see things yeah. come and go as sort of people become more buoyant and there's more money around and roles are generally more engaging or whatever that is. So I think, yes, I, I, I do see where you're coming from and I do see that. I think it's also a highlighter, particularly when we look at social media. It tends to be a magnifier, probably to an extent that distorts. But if you can cut through some of the bluff and bravado and the noise that comes from the few that are making a lot of noise, then usually underneath that, there is a truth that is worth looking at that does exist for what I would class the majority of us who aren't making a living out of blowing the trumpet about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I do wonder that as we came out of what, you know, the two years of uh, very strange times, and people move to very different ways of working that it's perhaps shone a light on perhaps leadership capabilities that were average but hidden when people were in the workplace. And now that people are working remotely, are not necessarily in the same way of working that they would have been before, that perhaps it has shone a light on poor leadership. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, definitely. I mean, Social media does many things. The digital age has has brought us many things. And one of this is a window into the realities that are normally not open to us to to see. So we hear things, for example, when an organisation decides to fire its workforce, but actually not tell them. We discover that enormous organisations like a Google or a Microsoft can let thousands of people go 
across the world and people only discover that when they try to turn their laptop on and discover that they can't get into it. Now, before social media, we would never get to hear about things like that or it would eventually drift into folklore. But, but did that really happen? Well, now we know it's actually happening because we go online and we see people going, blimey, I've, apparently I've been dismissed today. <laughs> you know, So these kind of things do become a way of highlighting. They also open up us to the people that like to over-magnify things that are maybe very true for them, but maybe not for the rest of us, and people that want to be evangelistic about things that actually maybe distort messages. But I think part of dealing with social media is being able to cut away some of the the dross that's around it and, and actually look to the core. But you're right, it does highlight, it does shine a light on things and it does tell us that actually I don't think this is new activity. It's, it's rather like crime statistics. We often find that actually it can feel like crime is worse, but statistically it might be down. But because you're reading about it in the palm of your hand, it feels more real. So we have to be careful with that. But I think you're right, it is absolutely showing us that if ever there was an expectation about leaders stepping up and recognising that they can't lead in... I wouldn't say lead in the shadows, that's wrong. But what they're doing could very quickly find itself out in the world. So that concept of, you know, is what you're doing something you'd be happy to see on a social yeah. media clip? No, absolutely. That, that could come true. No, absolutely. And I, I think as well, the a, f a few of the things that certainly from my perspective I've seen within my own business is there are some things that have kind of surfaced. So, you know, mental health and an awareness of well-being really has become a hot topic. Uh, and again, certainly I think perhaps, you know, as in the macro world, talking about mental health has certainly become more prevalent but I think again with differences and people working in different ways perhaps being isolated not always in the workplace then I think that again has become quite a topic and again something that has also perhaps for some leaders something that's that's quite difficult for them to deal with. Yeah uh, you know I have an organization called Living Brave Leadership that's so I, I focus on this question really about what would we do if we were living brave and something like mental health and well-being comes up as as a topic which is I think is quite fascinating because actually the challenge around that you know the living brave element for me is actually to strike a balance it's to recognize that we live in very harsh let's I can use that word harsh commercial environments I don't think anybody really lives in an easy commercial environment and we have human beings in there we do have a duty of care, but also we have to drive, you know, uh, the, the people, I wouldn't say to the limit, but it can feel like to the limit in a way that says, how much can we get out of people in a manner that feels acceptable and feels good for people? So this, it's this constant balance. I think what people struggle with is that if you look at certain elements of the media, you can listen to a very vocal group of people. Psychological safety would be a classic example where psychological safety is incredibly important to innovation and trust and uh, whistleblowing and etc. But then you can have people that say, well, actually, Guy, to be psychologically safe, nobody should ever feel threatened or under threat. And I would go, well, that's not right. I would go, you should never threaten anybody. But somebody may feel under threat. Mm. Somebody may recognise that their performance is poor. 
and I may be sitting down and having a very forthright, open and really competent conversation with you. But what you can't do or what we need to be very careful about is the person that shouts, I feel judged, I feel threatened, I'm being bullied. Mm. And actually, they might be. But at the same time, that manager or the person doing the conversation might be holding them to account, might be just being incredibly forthright, might be levelling certain expectations. So we have to understand, and vocabulary becomes very important, that we mustn't allow the vocabulary that exists under a, a certain guise to disempower us as managers and leaders because the tail's wagging the dog. Yeah. But then that doesn't give us the permission to then ignore it because actually, you know, we're using that as our ability to actually then beat people with a stick. So there is a lot of conversation to be had, but we have to be careful with what media is telling us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And I suppose perhaps a link on from what we've just discussed there, then the the issues that we do see around disengaged workforce, you know, due to lack of value, the mental health concerns, you know, instability in our economic and social environments, I suppose then do lead us on to our main topic for today, which is around leadership and as leaders, how we are able to effectively manage and develop and bring on our our workforce and achieve our own business goals. So I think perhaps it would be interesting to move on to actually talk about leadership and how perhaps these issues that we've seen, bad leadership or good leadership can manage. What are your thoughts on that? So, you know, this is a big topic that we could spend a lot of time on. Obviously, you know, these can be degree courses that you do. What's leadership and what's management? I think the main thing for me is recognising that good leadership and good management is not about just the tools. It's not just about process. You have to have a, a sense of competence. Feedback would be a classic example. You can Google a feedback model and, and find plenty that will work. The truth of the matter is the knowledge of how to do a thing isn't the same as the impact that it has when it's being used. So we can teach feedback to somebody in a call centre, we can teach feedback to somebody on a board, and the reality is that the tool is the tool. So what is good leadership and good management? Well, first of all, it is competence. Do you know how to do something right? Do you know how to have the tough conversation? Do you know how to give somebody feedback? Do you know how to listen and not inject your own agenda into the conversation? So there are tools and mindsets that would indicate competence. And then there's the behaviour and the experience of the person that's actually having this conversation with you. So what does a good leader do? Well, actually, they generate, I think, four things. And I talk about it a lot in, obviously, the book that I wrote and in the programmes and the workshops that I do, which is trust, accountability, bravery and connection. So if you're going to say to me, what's the benefit of great management and leadership? Well, there's tools to be applied, but the outcome is that people feel trusted and they feel as if they can create and enable trust in themselves or the team. They feel that they can be accountable, they can step up, they can contribute, they can also hold other people to account for their accountability and their ownership. There are brave conversations that can be had. I'm worried about that. I'm nervous about this. I'm excited about that. I I feel challenged by this. So that, that trust and that accountability leads to a psychological safety that allows people to have the brave conversations. And, and then people feel connected. 
and that, and that's important. That means that people feel that they can contribute outside of their own need without the fear of only being judged on the task that they're doing. And as a leader, I feel that this is more than just transactional. We don't need to run a kibbutz, but I need to feel as if you're interested in more than just the transaction that we're talking about. So the outcome of an individual and a team and a culture where there's trust and accountability and bravery and connection is one where innovation flourishes, where the honest conversations are had, where the difficult decisions are lent into, where there isn't shame, there isn't blame. People are held to account. Performance is managed. But actually what it is, is for the want of a better word, healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. What I wonder, though, is given the the trends that we've talked about and the, the new world of work, perhaps, that we're in, whether leaders need to think about different skills or is it simply a good leader is a good leader, no matter what the environment is that they're working in? I've come to believe, having read, a, as you can imagine, over the decades, a, a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts, and I don't really think that there is much said that is new. Um, you know, you can read some stuff by Marcus Aurelius and go, yeah, that pretty well sums it up, really. It's said in different ways. It's packaged in different ways. And so that lands and it hits a, a chord for the moment. So the reality is, for me, it's like parenting. Is parenting different today than it was 100 years ago? I don't really think so. I think there are different things to pay attention to. You know, you didn't have to pay attention to what your kid was doing on social media. But that's almost when TVs came out. You needed to watch what your kids were watching on TV, etc. So I think if you were going to say be alert to those around you and pay attention to people that you have a duty of care to, insert re relevant context here. It could be social media, could be the television, could be whatever comes next. I think the dynamics of management and leadership, being a parent, being a good friend, being in society, etc., are universally true. And that's because your role has got the demand on your process competence. Do you know how to actually do the job? Everybody's job is different. But when it comes to managing and leading people, actually, that's a little bit of a red herring. Because actually, it's about what kind of a human being are you going to be while you're doing that role? Do you have time for people? Will you listen to people? Do you know how to not push your agenda onto others? Do you know how to have the tough conversation? Actually, these are just very adult, elegant realities for me operating as a human being in the world. And I happen to have a senior role in this organisation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's all about being just a great person, isn't it? Um, what, what I do think, though, is, is that one thing that I, you know, myself as a, as a leader, and I've seen in other leaders, though, is a really key strength or a key requirement is is adaptability and empathy. I think for me, kind of two key skills that, you know, certainly I've seen in leaders and I've, I've looked in, into myself is that, you know, as times change as a parent or as a leader, then being adaptable and being able to change and move forward um, for me are quite important. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. And actually, you know, when you said it's about being a great person, that's an interesting one. I just want to quickly finish off that because I don't know if I'm a great person. Not everybody likes me. Yeah. But actually, what I hope you can do is trust me. And so I just want to caveat that with it's not about friendships and 
being likeable. I mean, don't be unlikable. But actually, what you don't have to do is win. Winning hearts and minds is an interesting thing. It's really just about being somebody that can be trusted, somebody that has integrity, somebody that etc. So that's my definition of great. And in terms of learning and, and empathy, there's a um, gentleman called Red Reverend who is the father of uh, action learning, and he said learning must be equal to or greater than the change that is going on around you. Which I, it's one of my favourite quotes, and most people in learning know, will know that one. But learning must be equal to or greater than the change that is going on around you. And I was giving a keynote yesterday, and 100 people in the room, and I just asked a question. Would it be fair to say that everything that you're dealing with is a learning issue? I mean, if you know how to do it, you've tamed it and you know what it is because you've learned how to do it. Anything that's giving you a problem, let's just say there's an individual that you're struggling with, it's a learning issue, isn't it? You've got to learn how to deal with them. If there's a context that you're in that's worrying you, where you've got to learn how to either take the stress off or you've got to learn the competences you're going to need to feel comfortable in that space, my understanding is that everything is a learning issue. And that, for me, actually is where I think bravery exists. The bravery is having the motivation to become competent at the things that you're not good at. Yeah. And as we become more senior, we can isolate ourselves with power for not needing to have those conversations because we don't need to. But actually, that's where the bravery kicks in to say, I need to grow my competence in all areas, not just in process and not just in the technology, but also in my situational sensing. And you said empathy. Now, some people have an inherent empathy. They have a, a kind of internal radar for it that exists. Like some people are great with horses and some people are good with yes. maths and some people just really have empathy. And then there are some people that don't. Um, my son's autistic and it became apparent that I am as well. And I, you know, once that may say I'm high functioning, I don't mean I'm intelligent, but in terms of autism, I'm high functioning. But I really struggle and have constantly struggled to really understand what's going on for other people, which is hilarious considering I focus on that for a living. But what became clear is that I'd become quite good at it by observing what people are doing so I could function with them to understand how I was supposed to do it. And what I mean by that is, so for some people, it's very there, it's very clear, it's very natural. For others... It does need to be learned. It does need to be practised. We're all on that line somewhere from it's inherently natural and we're gifted at it through to people are a little bit of a mystery to us and empathising with them is very, very difficult. And just to finish on a little great story on that one, I work with a very senior, when I say senior MD, he was the most senior person in his business, but in a big organisation. And you'd say, and this was some years ago, in hindsight now I'd probably say he had autism to some level, and he used to, after some coaching, we, we used to put in his meetings, he would go discuss the PL and uh, have the conversation about the culture survey and then ask people how they feel. And we would put this in as a, as a process. And um, one could say, yeah, but he didn't do it naturally. No, and he couldn't. Yeah. But that's okay, isn't it? Because intellectually he recognised it was important and then he put it into his workflow to check in and to ask people how they are because he learnt how to give people a sense of him paying attention and caring. So it doesn't matter if it's natural, it doesn't matter if it has to be learned, but you have to see it, and this is my big point, 
you have to recognize the craft. Yeah. One of the big things I say to people is you have to consider yourself to be a leader first, because if you don't, then you won't work on it. If you do consider yourself to be a leader, which is a different conversation in some respects, then you have to see it as a craft. You have to work at it. And everybody goes, yes, and they nod. And I go, so in the last three or four months, in the last six months, what have you done to work on your craft? And normally there's tumbleweed. I think it's like anything, isn't it? It's leadership is a profession. Uh, and, you you know, like, like any professional, you have to practice. You know, you, you have to understand where your weaknesses are and you have to then train to be better and to, to always be ahead of your game. So, no, I, I completely agree with that. So I think what, what I'd like to do now, Guy, is perhaps try and circle us back to where we started at the beginning of our conversation, which is, you know, what the world of work looks like today, the various issues and problems that we face as leaders, but also, you know, how difficult perhaps some of our employees find the world of work today. So I think my kind of final area that I wanted to talk about was, as leaders and as good leaders, how can we ease some of the symptoms of these work trends that we're experiencing at the moment? So one of the things that somebody said to me the other day when I was coaching them, he said, it's like running down a hill and I feel like I can't stop. And that's a, an analogy that I think we all either have kids or at some point we've run down a slope and gone, oops, yeah, the momentum's got hold of me. And he said, and that's what it feels like. And each time I go, and the, the beauty of being in the role that I have as a somebody works in different businesses I've worked I work in more businesses than most people could without being fundamentally un, unemployable right and it's a theme it's getting it's busy and time seems to be the rarest commodity of all and regardless of what's going on in the business people are finding that their the groceries are costing more and look at the price of petrol and etc etc so what we're really recognizing is that life's always been tough i mean the vikings used to invade and steal your kids and raise them as their own you know we had the flu after the wars and it wiped out a third of the global population it's always been tricky so this isn't actually that it's particularly tricky now it's always been great and also a bit rubbish both at the same time so as a manager as a leader i don't think you can make the world go slower i don't think you can actually make things particularly easier in the world you probably may not even have the ability depending on you know the organization you know to shift the tempo and the frequency that the, org the organization is moving at because that's the pace that this beast is going so what's the one thing that i think managers and leaders can do and i say managers and leaders i take that as the same person you're a manager and a leader Number one, you really have to look at your competence. The competence of really the basics. Do I know, and I have this phrase which is not just to listen, but do I know how to give people a damn good listening to? Mm -hmm. And that means to give them the experience of being heard. That doesn't mean they're going to get what they want. It doesn't mean I can change anything, but it does mean people feel heard. When we look at the data, people don't have an issue with not getting what they want. They have an issue with not being listened to. <laughs> so do I have to create a culture of psychological safety? Yeah, you do if you're answering it in an interview question. But the truth of the matter is you have to create an environment where people feel that they can offer suggestions, they can have a silly idea without being berated. They're not going to be judged because of something that they tried to do but failed at. Now, if they end up 
being incompetent. Yes, we're going to have to have conversations. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not about dance around the mulberry bush and let's create a kibbutz. That's not what I believe in. But I also believe that you have to have a duty of care. You can't like everybody. You can't befriend everybody. You can't nurture everybody to the point that it's a personal one-to-one. That's not how the world works. People have to have responsibility for themselves. But my responsibility as a leader is to create an environment that is safe, that you can expect to be held to account, but at the same time you will be valued. And... Everybody nods their heads at that very sagely and they go, yes, Guy, I, I, get, I get that. But here's the truth of it. We get bewitched by our own agenda. The focus that we have, the pressure that we're under, the budgets that we've got to deal with, the resources that we're fighting for as leaders, they put us under pressure and they move us into behaving where we're a little bit shorter with people, we're a little bit less tolerant of people, and these things start to grow. And I liken it to, and if you haven't got kids, this may be a harder metaphor, but I have two boys, and I love them very much, but sometimes I'm short with them. And I shouldn't be. I'm I'm married, and sometimes I bite And I shouldn't because I'm tired or I'm a bit agitated about something. So this isn't just a leadership thing. As a human being in the world, and you happen to have a job that has the word manager or leader attached to it, but it's the same thing. When you're at home, when you're with your kids, when you're with other human beings, one of the greatest things you can do is just have self-control, have competence, to be aware of the impact that you're having on others. And that doesn't mean you're soft. That doesn't mean that you have to fulfil the caricature of making it a wonderful place to work. And people say, give me an example of that. Well, I can say to you, are you okay? But I could say to you, are you okay? It's the same question. But one is a parody of caring. And one is just actually genuine care. So I think if I was going to give one piece of advice, yeah, be competent in your processes and be competent in knowing how to use the tools of feedback and listening. These all have skills attached to them. But actually, just recognise that it's not as hard as you think it is. It actually is about you being a human being with other human beings and not having to pretend to be in control, not having to assert yourself not having to not look weak, but actually just be very human with people, very real with people, and the ability to say, do you know what, I'm worried about this as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where we're going with this, but, you know, we'll sort it out. Yeah. We'll make this work. Don't worry about it. Well, do you know what the answer is, Guy? No, but this is what we're going to do tomorrow, and then this is what we're going to do the day after, and we'll figure it out together. The, the big thing I'll finish on is I've come to understand that Showing your vulnerability does not make you vulnerable. It actually empowers you because it gives people permission to be human. And then if our vulnerability can't damage us, then actually we're incredibly strong because we can offer and talk and be worried and fearful and courageous and brave and opinionated and curious. We can be all these things that we need. 
But we will not be those things if we feel we're being shut down, if we feel that we haven't got a voice, if we feel that we cannot talk. What we will do is just present a very monosyllabic, very monotone, very inflexible way of talking to people in a inverted commas professional way because we don't want any embarrassment, we don't want any awkwardness. And then the organisation becomes incredibly bland and nobody's got each other's back and there's no innovation. And I see it slowly die. Yeah, so yeah. that's 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 how I see it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th I think it's fabulous advice. And I think I've written down on my notes here something for me to take away to be a great leader, which is perhaps be likeable, be brave and always be learning. Well, let me finish with one thing then, which is this. Every single week, every single day, we say to ourselves, what have I got to do? What have I got to do this week? What have I got to do today? What have I got to do this morning? So here's my one tip for people to leave with, which is every time you say, what have I got to do? What have I got to do this week? What have I got to do today? Then say, what have I got to be this week? What have I got to be today? What have I got to be this morning? When I'm going into that meeting, what have I got to do in this meeting? Who have I got to be in this meeting? And if you just put that word next to it, it will bring you into your craft and it will bring you into a way of thinking and paying attention to those kind of things. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much. I hope everyone has enjoyed the podcast today. We do have a variety of other podcasts on our channel. So if you found this helpful and useful, please do subscribe and follow us on all of our Iris Software Group social media channels. So from me, Steph Coward, goodbye and enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you again to our guest speaker, Guy Blue. Thank you, Guy. Thank you very much. <laughs>